Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, Monday Night Football goes to the Chiefs, who just toyed with the Ravens. Had a huge lead at halftime, let the Ravens inch their way back into the game, and then went down the field and scored and wrapped it up. From underhand flicks to running backs to tackle-eligible plays to... Just really whatever they wanted to do. The Chiefs looked awesome. And the thing is, we all tune in for the offense and their awesome quarterback. But how about the Chiefs' defense? They held the Ravens to 20 points when you look at the box score. But when you watch the game, you realize, wait a minute, seven of those came on a kick return. So really, they held them to 13 points. Chiefs' defense with another strong effort. So... Where is this going exactly? The Chiefs are 3-0. and They've beaten two teams that were in the AFC playoffs last year. They played two of their three on the road. Probably less of a factor this year without fans at games. And this is a great start. And injuries alone can bring you down. And the Seahawks were within a play, a yard of repeating as Super Bowl champs. It's really hard to do. But maybe these Chiefs are going to do it. Doesn't happen very often, but they're off to a great start. All right, DJ and PK, Doc Rivers let go. The Clippers say goodbye to Doc. He's out. So that's the other big news of the day. And blowing the 3-1 lead to the Nuggets, and they thought they were headed to the NBA Finals and an NBA title, and it didn't happen. So his, uh, what, seven, eight-year run comes to an end in uh, – in L.A. with the Clippers. A lot of NBA jobs open right now. There's a few jobs open around the NBA. All right, we'll get to all that coming up later in the show. Coming up next, we're going to talk with two athletic directors. Uh, we were at the uh, National Football Foundation Golf Tournament in uh, Provo and spoke with the ADs from Utah State and BYU. You'll hear those conversations next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, DJ and PK, we're joined now by John Hartwell, Utah State Athletic Director. So... <laughs> we have so many questions for you <laughs> and every athletic director. What a year. Is your head just ready to explode at times this summer with all the possibilities, all the options, and less control than ever? And it just changes by the minute almost. Hopefully uh, we're we're on the backside of that right now. And uh, i never forget my, my dad used to always tell me adversity builds character. Uh, the last six or seven months, I think we've got an, all got enough character to last for a, for a lifetime. But uh, you, you've just got to learn to be flexible, try to stay positive, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, uh, like I said, we're on the backside of this thing, and uh, you know, full speed ahead, trying to play a football game three weeks from Saturday. This is a trip for you to come down to Logan to Provo. Why are you down there supporting the uh, Utah chapter of the National Football Foundation? Yeah, National Football Foundation 
does so much to promote the game of football and and obviously uh, the the individual chapters the the state chapters and and the the national um, organization does so much uh, to promote the game of football and you know uh, you you the the game of football for the last four or five years has really been under fire in in some cases and and there have been huge advancements in safety and you know going going back to to relating it to COVID-19 I mean at the end of the day student athlete safety and welfare has to be at the forefront of everything that we do Um, but football and and you can you know injuries occur injuries are a part of sport regardless uh, how careful you are and and they're unfortunate and you know, uh, we're blessed uh, at Utah State and at institutions around the country to have tremendous sports medicine folks, the doctors and the trainers. But but football uh, teaches so much about the game of life and and about how it takes teamwork and and uh, you know you have to battle through adversity, you have to battle through pandemics and things like that. And it's uh, it does so much uh, for young men. Uh, teaching about the game of life and and so everything that we can do through the National Football Foundation to promote the all the good things happening in football I think it's important for us to do so I think a lot of these high school football players especially the better ones who are going to be recruited have questions about how scholarships are going to work going forward because everybody who's in school you're already rolling your eyes I don't want to talk about it everybody who's in school now they're not this doesn't count as a year. You're basically getting a free red shirt, which makes sense, and we all get that. But if you're up against an 85 scholarship limit, how are you going to bring in a new class of 25 if you don't have a graduating class? I mean, you'll have some attrition along the way, but are they going to bump the number up to 100 or 105 and bring it down five every year to get back on track? How does this work? Well, pardon the pun here, but that's the million-dollar, really more than the million-dollar question there. And, and there's really two components to – to the challenge. One, it's financial, and and every institution in the country, uh, based on uh, cancellation of sports last spring and then uh, delay or cancellation this fall of sports, uh, is is dealing with monumental financial challenges. So that that's the one component of it. There, uh, the other component is roster management, and that's really you know the the. The scholarship or the financial portion is really more on the administration side. The the roster management's more on the coaching side, and and the NCAA has given the ability to to increase those numbers. So you'll obviously be able to have more than eighty five uh, going into next fall. Uh, but it's it's up to institutional discretion. And you know let's let's just look at the numbers. If you know if you have eighty five, we have eighty five kids on scholarship. Uh, we have roughly 108 to 110 on our roster, so you've got you know roughly 25 um, walk-ons. So all of a sudden, if you take that number and you say, okay, we're going to add a whole other class to it, you could have upwards of you know 105 or so on scholarship and have a roster of 135 or 140. So from a coach's perspective, and, and oh, by the way, the one thing that doesn't change, you can't have any more than 11 guys on the field at one time. So keeping kids happy uh, and engaged 
uh, is a challenge with 85 on scholarship and 105 on your roster. And all you've got to look at is the transfer portal and the number of, of student athletes who are in, in that on a regular year. So it, it is going to be a challenge, um, both financially and roster management-wise, but it's something we'll work through. Like you said, you're always going to have attrition. You're going to have some transfers out. You're going to have the Henry Columbies uh, leaving and you know going to Texas Tech or you know uh, other examples of things like that. Um, but we've also got to we've also got to be able to manage it financially too. So we we uh, you know and and Gary and I have talked uh, at length about that, and we'll just work our way through between now and the end of the season. And when we get to January, you know, we'll look at that. The other component there is how strange this recruiting year is because you know you have most most high schools around the country other other than several uh, states are playing now but you've got some junior college leagues who are playing a spring schedule so um, plus guys can't go on the road you know uh, since uh, the middle of March not only football but no sports have been able to go on the road and now that's been extended through the end of December so it's it, it just like everything we're dealing with, it's uncharted territory, and we'll, we'll kind of navigate our way through it. Do you know if the Mountain West, when it gets going, is going to play all of its members, play exclusively conference games and no non-conference games? So, great, great question there. Uh, for the most part, we'll have eight conference games uh, straight through from the weekend of uh, October 24th through December 12th. And then a, a conference championship game on December 19th. And we have had, uh, since last uh, Thursday night, multiple ADs calls. We've got another one this afternoon trying to finalize a schedule here uh, in the next day or two. Uh, but you've, you've got a couple of situations where teams won't play eight conference games. So you've got Air Force who plays Navy this Saturday, and then they've got Army scheduled for uh, November 7th. So uh, that's one weekend they won't be able to play. There's also another conflict for them in relation to uh, to exams on December 12th that we're trying to work through right now. Uh, just saw Chad Lewis walk up here. You know, one of the potential scenarios for uh, for to offset that that November 7th game because we have 12 teams in our league. So if you pull out Air Force, then somebody else has got to be off that week too. So, you know, there there is talk. Uh, I, I don't know how significant that talk is, but there's talk about a Boise-BYU matchup on, on November 7th. So, uh, you know, there may be a one-off or two that are non-conference games, but for the most part, everybody's going to be conference only. So New Mexico's governor didn't sound big on having football happen. Do they have to play all road games? Hawaii's had a quarantine. Are people going to test before they get on a charter, or is that going to be a problem? Are the California schools going to be able to play? Seems like there's a lot of questions. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of question marks. Now, as far as Hawaii goes, uh, that quarantine, the mandatory 14-day quarantine is going away on October 15th. So as long as the testing is done within 72 hours, uh, prior to getting to Hawaii, that should be okay. And, you know, part of our testing, we're going to do three times a week antigen test. And if there are any positives with the antigen test, they're going to be backed up by a PCR test. New Mexico, um, Eddie Nunez, my counterpart there, they're trying to navigate through that. You know, it wouldn't be ideal if they played everything on the road, but their intention is to play. And then as far as the California schools go, 
I would say San Diego State is ahead of the other two uh, in terms of they've been working out and doing some things. Uh, San Jose, which is in the same county as Stanford is, uh, they've got some challenges still. And then Fresno may be the, the most difficult one of all to navigate because they hadn't had any of their student athletes really back on campus the entire summer. So for them to, to you know, all of a sudden ramp up in 29 days, 30 days to be able to play, that's going to be difficult. And so all that leads into saying, you know, are we going to keep two six-team divisions or are we going to put everybody into, you know, into one pot and then the top two teams will play the championship game? And I think that's the way it's starting to lean now to, to be able to just put everybody in there and take the top two to play that championship game. What's going to happen to the contracts that you had with the teams, the non-conference games that you were originally scheduled to play this season that's obviously been shelled? Yeah, the, an, another great question. So we we are working through those right now. Obviously, uh, you know the Pac-12 pulled out of playing initially before uh, before the Mountain West did. So we had Washington State coming to our place to open up, and then uh, at Washington uh, week three. So. Initially, you know, we talked with them about rescheduling those games. Then when we decided, you know, when the Mountain West decided to to put a pause on playing, those kind of became a moot point. You know, still working with BYU, obviously there was a game missed there. And then Southern Utah was our other non-conference opponent for this year. But but I will say this, and I said this uh, on a couple of interviews over the weekend, the collegiality amongst all of our institutions. I mean, we've all gone through financial challenges. We're we're all, you know, the, there are no dead red fastballs in college athletics right now. Everything's a curve, and you better stay back on it and be able to hit that pitch wherever it gets delivered to you. So we're all working together. We'll we'll come up with a solution on those on those things going forward. That sounds good right now, but that's a lot of money at stake. Do you think when push comes to shove, you know, if it's a team you play home and home every year, that seems easier to me to work out when it's a one-off with a money game or if there's been a change in the administrator and the coach who thought it was a good idea to play the game, that seems like it could get trickier. Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, you know, the the Washington game for us uh, was a million five guarantee, but again, it, it really becomes a moot point uh, to some extent if if both leagues say, "Hey, we're not playing." Uh, Washington State, which was the front end of a home and home, so we go to Pullman next year. Um, I've been working with Pat Chun, their AD, and what we're looking at doing because uh, you know. Most schedules are filled five, six years out now, so looking at an opportunity for Washington State to come back to Logan is probably out 27, 28. Um, So what we're looking at doing is potentially making next year's game in Pullman a guarantee game where they'll pay us a guarantee and then us scheduling another home-and-home a little further out. Well, that was informative. That was a lot of ground we covered right there, John. Good work. It's uh, And now will everything change in the next 48 hours anyway? <laughs> hey, knock on wood. Like I said, I'm, I'm hoping we're on the backside of this thing. There are going to continue to be challenges, whether it's, you know, having to shut down practice for a couple of days here or there, hopefully not having to, to lose a game. But, hey, that's the one thing we've learned over the last six or seven months. you just got to roll with the punches. John Hartwell, Utah State Athletic Director, joining us. 
Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great day. DJ and PK, there is uh, John Hartwell, the athletic director at Utah State, uh, with a little bit of uh, dropping a little bit of info there on uh, BYU and Boise State. And we'll talk with Tom Homo about that next as our coverage from the National Football Foundation golf tournament continues. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. And we are joined now by BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. Tom, Thanks for coming over to the Riverside Country Club and talking to us here at the National Football Foundation Golf Tournament. Beautiful day, getting soaked up in some sun. <laughs> the sun is out. It's a little cold to be beautiful, but we'll roll with it. A little chilly. The fall <laughs> has come to Utah. Exactly. So uh, I'm really curious now, the job you signed up for and the job you've had to do <laughs> since COVID hit, how different are they? Night and day. But I think, DJ, I think about this all the time that um, most everybody in this society is, is doing something different now. It's just, it's affected everybody in so many different ways. But for college athletics, you're just on the run. There's the, you've heard all, there's no playbook, uncharted waters, every youth or whatever they say, everything is a little bit different now. Um, you just got to try to do your very best with the people that you have to make it work. So you created this football schedule, Tom, and I think it was marvelous work under the circumstances. My thought for you off the bat is, are you still working to add to the schedule? Certainly. We still have games available, but the way we're, the way I thought I might add and do that is different now. Uh, I'd say maybe a couple months ago before we started the season, we were scrambling to try to get anybody to play. And now you can see a situation that has arisen where there's possible open games depending on missed games and postponed games. So you have the opportunity. We, we have those three games sitting at the end of the schedule in November in uh, three out of four or five weeks where they're open. And instead like trying to just find anybody, I'm thinking right now that it's possible that there could be games that people might just want to play later. And so instead of trying to grab them right now, it's probably better just to wait and see what games might be available at that time. Do you think you're going to be able to reschedule BYU Army, or has that one gone away forever? Uh, No, I don't think that's gone away forever. Um, We'll keep talking about that because that could be a game that would be like that, where you get to the end of the season, or maybe not to the end, but as the season progresses, and you look and you see that they might say, hey, let's see if we can get that one done. But it just depends on what games they continue to have and which games we keep. This is, a, this is a scenario right now where you play week to week, and anybody that thinks otherwise is crazy. You really have to think about your COVID testing. You have to think about the other teams and all the situation at the various counties and states across the country. You have the election coming up. You really have no idea what, when someone's going to call you up and say, we're not going to be able to play this week. 
I think the enthusiasm around your football team is skyrocketing. Obviously, they've had two very, very impressive wins. So the attention now is so much on the athletic director. It, this is so un, so much uncharted territory. You've never been in this situation. You've got a 2-0 football team that looks great, and now eyes are focused. What can Tom Homel do to beef up this schedule while you're actually playing the season? It's never been done before in the history of college football, probably, and how much attention is focused on the college season so what can you tell us about the potential uh hartwell utah state had mentioned uh and craig thompson had mentioned the possibility of boise so a the possibility of playing boise in november that first week and then the possibility of adding some p5 opponents i mean it's all very intriguing (laughs) and the possibilities are dreaming there's so many people that want to try to match up uh you know us against mississippi state now you guys know leach Get the job done. Um, <laughs> it's hard to imagine that any P5 games would just all of a sudden pop up. They're all playing conference games, and they're playing conference-only schedules. So the, the, the way that that would happen is not possible right now. It could be possible later down the road. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, you look at Boise, that's just in a, a unique situation where the Mountain West Conference wasn't going to play. All the games were scrapped. And then they come back to play, and you realize that this great tradition of military academy games between the Air Force and Army or Navy, those are games that pop up that they're going to play those games. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to this in a second here. Um, but come back. Let me just stop right here and say one of the things I learned early on that was really cool about college football in this scheduling um, case was if there were no games this year, I'm t- saying none, Army and Navy would have played. There would have been one football game, and it would have been Army and Navy. I think that's a really cool thing about college football is that the the real, real blue bloods are going to play no matter what happens. And, and that, you know, obviously they get to play, hopefully, and nothing will get in the way of that game. But this is the case. That's why Air Force was going to be able to play in the Army and Navy games, even though they wouldn't play in a Mountain West Conference game. And, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Some people didn't like hearing about that. But that's why this is possible, because Air Force will play, I think it's Navy, and then it leaves an open game. And so they don't want to F with the with conference only. I don't really know all the way that uh, Craig Thompson and his team are going to do this or try to make it work, but there's an oddity in the schedule because there's an open game and somebody can play. Tom Holmo, BYU Athletic Director, joining us. I'm thinking one of the things that could trigger something late in the season is if a team from the American Athletic Conference, the Mountain West, if they're pretty good and they got a good record, but they're not sure they're in a New Year's Six Bowl game, they need a game, they need to win. They need to beat a quality opponent. Can you see a scenario there where you get a late-season game and it's in another school's interest to, to play a team like BYU who's got a pretty good record? Well, there's no rules really about this right now. So you don't really have some you know, point of reference. And that's possible. That would be one of the possibilities if there's open dates. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, like right now, we're looking at this week to week, but as the season and the, the seasons 
start to get cold and things move on and you're playing games later in December now. That's how, that's how the conferences that have come in late have kind of pushed the season back. There are some open dates um, and there could be more if there are open games caused by sub, uh, suspensions of games. So, yeah, that's, I think it's a possibility. But to, right now, it's just, I think it's ironic. I think it's funny that people are trying to schedule games now for later in the season. I would think you wouldn't probably want to schedule those games at this point in time unless you were sure that you knew who would be those teams that would be involved in that. What do you know or anticipate about your bowl possibilities? Um, this is another situation this year where it's different than it's ever been. So once again, it's always nice to have ESPN as a partner because right now there's a lot of bowls that are wondering if they were even going to play. The fact that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are back now and everybody's playing, well, just about everybody, the fact that that's happening now, that, that saves, that's going to save a lot of bowls. But you could imagine when you have the number seventh team from one conference playing the number six team from another conference, and those conferences aren't playing, that leaves a lot of vacant bowls. And people would, to, to try to test the temperature of those communities, where those bowls are, the great cultures and traditions of those bowls, you don't know how it was going to be. And so for BYU, we would just, and this is how it is right now, is we're waiting with ESPN to see how it all unfolds and how it plays out, what bowls are going to be available. And now it looks like there's going to be more and more than there were. With all those games being open, there were some intriguing possibilities, but I'll step away from that at this point in the season right now. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, As far as the games that you lost, which now seems like 20 years ago, but it's not, but time's moving at a weird rate. Uh, Rescheduling a Missouri or a Michigan State, have you had any conversations with those schools? Yeah, very briefly. We we did initially when the games were postponed. They were very sorry uh, that they had to postpone them because we all thought that they were going to be great series. But what we've done uh, in initial calls is to try to stage those games, kind of pencil them in. And unfortunately, for many that were anticipating those games, they go out quite a, quite a ways. You're talking about the earliest ones of those games are 25, 20, 25, 26, and some of them go out to 20, 30. Those were the only spots where you could find open slots between the two teams that made sense. Now, you, the one thing that I've seen is we have a lot of fans of scheduling these days. They look at uh, some copy of a schedule of another team that we're supposed to play, and they look at our supposed future schedule and they start matching up games but that doesn't always work that easily it might show a game that's open but there's a lot of times when schools have games that are penciled in they're not on anybody's schedule publication and they're just locked in for those times without a contract so sometimes people think that even like this year why didn't you just play this game you're both open well i think that i've really spoken to every possible open team out there and they're not all open i heard a lot of stuff 
And I don't know what's true and what isn't, Tom, regarding the postponement of the Army game and government and officials were involved and all these things that were beyond BYU's control. So that's already done. But going forward here, if it should happen, is there any form of uh, clarity as far as what the process is in terms of who makes the call? And is there a number? Is it 5, 10, whatever it is, the players test positive or contract tracing could you walk us through all that well i really can't walk you through all of it because i'm not really sure that sounds like very un not the wisest thing for me to say but that's why i say pk that this goes from week to week because i think with some conferences they have written guidelines and as i talk to their ad's and their coaches they're certainly very uncertain about how that actually could even work. It's, they're just putting rules down on paper that try to suffice at this point in time for if and when they have a situation with COVID. You really don't know. I mean, you come down to a situation where they, they say if you have X number of linemen or a position that are out, then that uh, is deems it necess- or okay for a cancellation of a game. We're not looking at that at BYU, not being in a league. What we're doing is every week, Almost every day, we're examining where we are. We test three times a week. And so we know where we are, but you don't know until you get the day of that test result. And as you see with that Army game, that was some people want to make something out of it more than it is. We just had, with contact tracing, too many of our players that weren't going to be able to put together a game. And that's how it's been, as as I read, for most every one of these games that has been canceled across the country right now. So there's I don't I don't think at this point in time, as I've read about other schools, that there's gamesmanship involved. It's just flat out you can't play. There's not enough guys to play, or in some cases, you know, you just have the epidemic where the you have people that haven't necessarily tested positive. But uh, contact tracing puts them in a position where they're quarantined and then they can't participate for a short time. I don't think I've heard that since we were playing pickleball in the neighborhood in the fourth grade. We don't have enough guys to play. (laughs) That's old school. It's it's old school. Tom Holmel, BYU Athletic Director, joining us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We saw a situation where Houston had a game canceled by the opponent. And Baylor had a game canceled by the opponent. And so they decided on like a week's notice, hey, we're going to play. I mean, there were literally calls on a Friday and Saturday before the game. And a, the coaching staff at Houston scrambling to get film and starting to break it down. And then ultimately by Wednesday or Thursday, I think Baylor had an outbreak and they couldn't play. But when you talk about, you know, schools being available, are you looking at playing on that short of notice if there was a possibility? I think that that was a very rare situation because they happened to be close, relatively close. And they were just of the oddity of them being both coming up like that. Um, I think that I give those guys credit. Some people tried to take a shot at them, but they tried. You know, and under the circumstances of this year, they felt that they could try to do it and, and it didn't work out. But just you're, we're, we're, I look at our team at BYU and they've put in a ton of effort and they realize that all that effort could be canceled in a given week like it was against Army. That's a hard thing, but this is a hard year. 
And so the, you're going to see more and more of those across the country as more and more games are scheduled now. And so I think that you could do that. Sure, I'd keep an open mind about it. And if there was a situation that came up and it was safe and both of the coaches, the players and the team, our teams, the coaches and the players felt that it was in their best interest to try to schedule that game, I, I would try to attempt to schedule it. Okay, Tom, well, that just screams Boise State, and it's probably an unfair question, but I'm an unfair dude, and you know that. What percentage would you put on you guys playing Boise in November? You know, like I was explaining earlier, there's just a situation that cropped up that they hadn't really prepared for. They didn't really think about that, but I think it's good for the military academies and look the, the mountain west conference is going to try to do what they can to make sure that every team in their conference has you know somewhat of an equal opportunity to play games so with one team not being able to play on that given week why not let them play and that's look at it's not that it's a byu thing it's a mountain west conference thing and and uh, we everybody would know that our um, attitude about playing these games is we want to play the games and we'll try to play them if it's feasible. So if it's if there's an open discussion about this that's going to go on, we, you know we'd we'd like to get in the mix. Usually December football is a no go, but it's an odd year and we're going to see a lot of games these first three weeks in December. Are you open to playing on some or all of those weekends? You use the word usually, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a quite unusual year. So, yeah, we would be open. I mean, I think there obviously are some things with our school where we have kids that are, you know, the school will close down now after Thanksgiving and they won't come back. I mean, and then they won't come back until the next semester. So we work very closely with our school administration. We work very closely with the government here, the state government and our local health officials. And we look and see. So to try to say and plan for December, um, you could do it with a pencil. I wouldn't do it with a pen. (laughs) We've heard a lot about uh, students at both of your universities in the Utah County area about going out and doing those types of things. Uh, in terms of uh, large groups, uh, what do you know as far as, I don't know how much you control UVU, but as far as BYU getting the message out to make sure the social distancing guidelines and all the protocols are being practiced practiced beyond the athletic programs and more the university in general? Um, the, kind of our attitude, my attitude and the team and coaches is we can only really control the things that we can control. And if you start trying to do other things, it'll start to take its toll on you. So I think our coaches have done a very good job with the leaders of our team and all of our players at just coming to this point where, look, guys, we can't control what's going on around us in the community. Uh, or at our school, but we've been able and working hard to do what we can with ourselves. And that's all we can do. Now, to answer your question, I would say that they're doing more. I think, I think there's, you know, at first that it was a little bit out of control and people were just students didn't know how to react to being in this situation for themselves. And so I think with a a lot of the attention that has been given to the, our County and how many cases there's been, it's, it's pretty, everybody I think can understand the situation. Now I think that people are starting, are beginning to realize that they can help cut the numbers. That's about all I can say because we can't really control that. 
So, people like to go to BYU football games. Do you think you're going to be able to at least welcome in, you know, friends and family, two or four people, you know, per player and, and coach? Do you think you'll be able to open up to five or 10,000 fans? Where's that trending? I mean, we, as you well know, we, we've worked on it all year trying to, you know, make sure that we could make the games available to our fans. But this is another situation where you don't go back to the playbook from the last year, the last time we canceled or didn't have fans in the stadium. And so it's just so unique that we're working really basically week to week. In this particular case with the state, it's a two-week mandate. And so I I feel that the state has worked very well with us. Uh, We've had incredible conversations, and I think they've been a great partner. And, and so, but in the end, it's not a decision that I make. It's, it's a decision that comes down to the health, educa- health officials in the state and in the county and our school and our you know, board of trustees. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to do, we are doing everything we possibly can to get fans in. Now, whether it's friends and family or a limited number or that number increases, that will all be predicated on what the situation looks like in the community. So earlier in the summer when the Pac-12 had announced that they weren't going to play and before they announced that they were going to resume play in November, Mark Harlan had met with us in a Zoom situation and estimated the losses to the athletic department to be in the $50, $60 million. Now that's going to be mitigated somewhat, obviously, with the return of games. But they went ahead and they furloughed and laid off employees. How is BYU doing financially? And has there been any of that situation where there's been a reduction in the workforce? Um, not at this point in time, but we have, like every school in the country, you're looking at your um, revenue and expenses, uh, uh, certainly to look to the current time, the present time, and the future. And those are conversations that are go- ongoing with our university, with our university leaders up on campus to try to determine um, how we can ha- be strong in the future and still be um, doing the right thing in the present time. So those are the decisions at BYU that are continually ma- being made. Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, joining us. So uh, with basketball, do you see that starting on time? Do you think Thanksgiving? Oh, you're already giggling. <laughs> do you know what the non-conference schedule is going to look like? Everybody wants answers now. Well, you know, we don't get to talk to you that often, Tom. I feel like i got to bring them all right now. Well, I think that... Uh, you know, everybody's well aware of the importance of the economics of basketball, college basketball to the NCAA and to all these sports. So um, we're in the West Coast Conference, which doesn't play football. So we're kind of on our own here playing football and doing our thing. But the, the West Coast Conference, this basketball issue is a super important thing. And, you, and that goes to all the conferences across the country. So I think that um, as I talk to Dan Gavitt and some of the guys on the NCAA basketball committee staff and, and the actual selection committee and um, basketball committee, they're doing everything they possibly can. I think they're in a good spot right now. I think they have a very good plan going forward for where things are now. And I, th- I know for a fact that each school in the country and each conference in the country is doing everything they can to make it work. So what the reason I laugh is because there are scenari- scenarios that are 
that are out there right now. And some of them are public and some of them are private. But there's various scenarios out there, and that's kind of how we've done it in football. Is we had plan A, B, C, and so forth. And you just have to be mobile. You have to be fluid. You have to be willing to willing and able to be able to make changes on a dime and be okay with them. And in, in essence, it comes down to, are we going to play the games or not? And, you know, for some of our teams, we didn't play the games. For some of our sports, we just they had to cancel the sports. And we did everything we could to push it down the road. And that became the f- phrase, how long are we going to kick this can down the road? Well, I'm glad we kicked it down the road because we got a, some football games. We're going to get some more. And I'm glad that now we're, we're managing as best we can at this point in time college basketball season and the rest of our sports and I I just I'm really impressed and it gives me a a lot of hope in a in a time where college athletics is people taking a lot of cracks at it that there are people right now that are doing a lot to make things happen and to make it work and I have a lot of partners out there that made this happened for BYU. Uh, I get a lot of attention for it, but I couldn't have done this without a ton of other ADs across the country and other people at ESPN and Dave Brown and a number of people that we just all got together and said, let's try to make this work. And we got knocked down. We got slapped in the head. There's so many things that have happened, but yet we're playing. And um, I just, I'm glad now that I think a lot of our fans have figured it out, that they realize that this is a, a, tent- a very tentative situation. And that it does go week to week. We might not have fans in the stands as we have planned out. But we do have a plan to have a lot of fans in the stands. If we can get to that point, we will put them in. Going forward here, these players have a basically a free year of eligibility. Now, that's unusual in any circumstance, but particularly with BYU when you have missionaries that are coming back that you recruited two years ago. And so my thought for you is how are you going to handle all this scholarship situation when for BYU it's always difficult because of the missionary deal? I think that's another case where you have a, a various plans. So we have a little bit of experience with this in that we did this last spring. There were some sports where they allowed us to have what they call super seniors. And so we at BYU had a plan. It differed from a lot of other schools. And we felt that the plan coming up, because these are the spring kids now that are coming up um, for this, the, it's the 2021 season, where they'll be coming back, where we feel like it's a good plan. Um, we haven't executed it to perfection yet, but as so far, it's been all right. This is exactly what's going to happen with football, is you're going to have these various possibilities that play out where you're not sure quite who's going to come back. You know, you're not quite sure what the expenses are going to be. So you're starting to look at possible revenue streams to pay for this and to help these kids be able to come back. There's a lot of questions that still remain to be unanswered. But right now, on a daily basis, we're going after, we're attacking these questions and kind of trying to come up with strategies that make it best for BYU. I think it's, it's very odd that people, not odd, but it's, it's just weird that people want to make every school like look the same. And every school is so different because of their unique sets of um, 
rules and policies and procedures that they have on their campus. And so I, I don't really know the answer to how that will be other than I know how it'll be at BYU. I don't know exactly how it'll be at BYU, but we have a vision of what we think it's going to look like at BYU. So one thing about football is they travel on charter planes and that makes travel a different beast because so many sports are traveling commercial with testing ramping up now. Are you feeling pretty good about your ability to test your kids and send them out on the road and the ability of other schools to test their kids and send them to Provo? Are all the sports that rely on commercial travel in a different boat than football and a lot more vulnerable? I think those are all very good questions, and I don't have the answers to all of them. But I would say that this is another example of what I'm talking about, about people working together. There's been way more collaboration. For example... If we were going to play Troy in football in a regular season, I would probably call the AD the week of the game and say, hey, Brett Jones, looks like it's going to, we're going to get a game. I can't wait to see you out here. When you get out here, let's get together. I talked to Brent Jones and his uh, deputy, Kyle George, probably every other day for three weeks coming up to the game and just trying to make sure that our kids and their kids and coaches and it's all working out and the, all the various people that were working in uh, SID communications or trainers, it was, it's a, it's a in, incredible collaborative effort to get a game, to put it together now. And so you have this, I kind of like, like to call it the old school mentality where when you play a game, it's just not a game, it's an event. You, you actually have personalities involved and you know the people that are coming from the various schools because you have had to work with them or else it wouldn't have ever come to come to um, pass so here we go We're, we have a, the rest of the season coming up and every week now you know, we have Louisiana Tech coming up on Friday there will be so much work that will go into that game being played and it won't come out in the papers at all because it's just about can we get from Monday to Tuesday and can Louisiana Tech. And if we can get to Tuesday, then we, get the, we earn the right to go to Wednesday. And if we can play a game on Friday night, then we've done a good thing. You're an old football guy at heart, Tom. How good is this football team, do you think? They're, they're a good team. Uh, a lot remains to be seen just because of the un- un- unusual aspects of this team, uh, of, the, of the year. One of the things that I've been watching college football with is to see like these teams that are really strong and traditional teams that for whatever reason, they're not playing well this year. They have good personnel. They have very strong coaching. They have great traditions. But when you watch them play, something's missing. Something's wrong. And it has to do with the emotional and the mental aspects of the game. It has to do with the physical aspects that they didn't get their normal scheduling of spring practice and winter conditioning and all the little things. And somewheres and places along the lines, there are pieces of their preparation that were missing. And right now, only those coaches know what's going on. And it, I think there'll be great books written about this year to be able to go back and say, what happened? 
And it's like, so that's why for Kalani and his team, I'm super proud of him right now because you can only take it a day at a time. And what Kalani's doing is he's taking it a day at a time. And so for two games, for two weeks, and I take that back because, I mean, there was great preparation for that Army game. But for these early prep games, they've done everything they possibly can. And you're really not quite sure how it's going to be. But you can, I think after two weeks, our people are starting to get used to what they see. And there now, there'll be another game and more challenges, and then there'll be another road game and more challenges. But instead of looking down the road, and, I, and that's what we, all people like to do in college football, is to prognosticate. That's what makes it so fun. What's going to happen? Look at these two teams coming together at the end. And for us right now, the only thing that we can do to put us in the best position to succeed is to take it a day at a time. And, and how many times that, there we go, it's Coach speak, if there is ever a year where you take it a day at a time, this is the year. Well, Tom, we appreciate a few minutes. We appreciate you coming over uh, here to the Riverside Country Club to talk with us and uh, fill in your fans on what's going on. Good luck. Thank you. We're going to need it. <laughs> right? More than ever, right? You're going to need some good <laughs> luck. Uh, thanks, Tom. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. There's Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines next.